Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay then, everybody. Don't adjust your sets. It is Roscoe hosting the main podcast. I've been allowed to host this one. Um, hope you're all doing well. Uh, it is a Blue Monday, unfortunately. Shout out to the other podcast that is called Blue Monday. Um, good name for a podcast. But yes, Town drew 1-1 with Plymouth on the weekend. We're going to go through it as a whole. Um, I'm joined by good old Stuart Watson and Andy Warren, the main men of this podcast, the main kings. Um, but I'm going to stop rambling. But we've got to shout out our sponsors. Manscaped, use the code KOA to get 20% off and free delivery. And Ginger Pickle. Ginger Pickle, of course, good old Tony Southgate. Um, if you want to help with your Google ads and get into the top of Google, selling more products with your website for remarketing, use Ginger Pickle. Um, but anyway, enough of that. Let's get in Stu and Andy. Happy belated birthday to Stuart Watson. Stu, how you doing, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. I'm, I'm good, thank you, Ross. It's nice to see you in the host chair. Yeah, I do this too much, to be fair. Other podcasts, I think people are probably sick of me. But um, here we are, guys. Um, Heafy, I wouldn't say he's angry. I think he's just very frustrated after the weekend. So he's had a, he's took the day off to just refresh himself, ready for the week ahead. Um, so he'll be back. Do not worry, guys. It won't be me. I imagine he's just sort of just in his garage doing a sort of a Rocky-style montage, yeah. just, just uh, beating up a, a punch bag, getting his frustrations out. They did it again, didn't they? They did it again. They bottled it again. Um, but no, 20 games to go, guys. 20 games to go. Anyway, though, let's bring in good old Andy Warren. Always a pleasure, my friend. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. Stu, what did you do for your birthday? Why wasn't I invited? Uh, we see far too much of each other, mate. Um, I had a nice birthday, thank you. A few, few family round yesterday. My wife did a, a top-tier picky tea. Just put out a right spread. Got the got the old extender table out. It's an extender. It's an extender. Yes. Uh, yeah. Covered covered with all sorts of an, a cheese board. It's great. I like it. I like it. Um, hope you had a good one though, my friends. Uh, let's uh, let's not beat around the bush, then, boys. Let's get right into it. Um, it was a big game on the weekend against Plymouth. Packed out Portman Road. One one. The final score. Uh, we're going to go through it as a whole. Um, snap thoughts, though, Stu, on the day itself and the result. Entertaining, deflating is probably the sort of the two words I would use to sum that game up. I thought uh, disappointing that neither manager went for the um, great advert for League One, cliche after that. Um, but it was that it was you couldn't take your eyes off of it it was uh 100 miles an hour had a real sort of almost derby feel to it um the whole 90 minutes flew by the atmosphere obviously of the 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 crowd was was electric um and it would have been the perfect day had that game finished just a just a few minutes earlier uh so close to the win so um changes the whole complexion of, of how we feel and how we're talking about this match, the, the that goal going in at the end, doesn't it? Of course. Yeah. And the, it was all weathers as well. I think both you and me got very wet arriving to Portman Road um, and decided to have a massive downfall of um, when we came. And uh, I walked in the press room looking very wet. You had some wet hair as well. But uh, yeah, snap thoughts on, on the day itself. Yeah. Um, it's just a, just a proper occasion. And uh, We've had a few of them at Ipswich of, of late, but they've been in short supply for so long. Just any game where the away fans are surrounded by stewards and police means it's a proper game. And that's what it was with Plymouth, a proper away crowd, which is something Ipswich doesn't get too often in, in terms of numbers in that in that size of um of ground. So that was that was great. Um chaos for for large parts of it. Mistakes, um, 
some brilliant moments. Um, heart in hearts in mouths, heads in hands. Um, had a little bit of everything, but just not ultimately the final result that we we all wanted and thought we were going to get. Yeah, and still, let's talk about team news. Always um, a fun thing to talk about. Everyone always debates on that. Uh, What's your thoughts on the team news? No Nathan Broadhead, new signing. But George Hurst was on the bench, but yeah. Yeah, I, in our various chats building up to this game, I think we said that there was only one real question mark in our minds in that starting eleven, and that was whether it would be the team that started the, the Oxford win on Boxing Day and, and also the Portsmouth game uh, that followed or whether it would be Nathan Broadhead coming in um, for Marcus Harness. That's what we debated. In the end, it was the Oxford game, and there was no Broadhead in the squad at all. Um, so that that was a real disappointment. Um, I can see the logic that if he's been travelling to and from, I think we do forget the human element of, of players signing for new clubs. Anyone who's changed jobs and moved across the country for a new job you're relocating. I don't know what his family situation is, whether it's just him or, or what, but either way, you're going to and from the country. You're trying to move house, find a flat. Yes, the club will do a lot of stuff on that side of things, but you also got nerves of meeting new colleagues, trying to impress, all that sort of stuff. And, and the vibe was that, you know, they just didn't felt. And this is a player that's got a little bit of an injury history behind him. If he's saying that he's got a bit of muscle tightness and I know people have jumped on Kieran's comments about he's you know he's in a new bed and that's not helped and stuff like that. But these are these are elite level elite level athletes. I know people might roll their eyes at that and say it's League One, but these are top athletes who's you know things like that do make a difference. So um, imagine how everyone would have felt today if they'd have taken the risk on him and, in, and he'd have broken down and the uh, the fallout from that. So it it was disappointing that he wasn't involved. Um, you wonder if some of the substitutions in this game that we might come on to in a bit would have panned out differently if, uh, you know, we wouldn't have necessarily seen Sam Morsey playing as a number 10 later in, later in this game had Broadhead been available. But um, from how it's been described, I think that's that's probably sensible to uh, to tread carefully with, with him. It's like Kieran McKenna said after the game, isn't it? He's he's a short, medium and long-term signing for the club. It's not, it's not just about the big game with Plymouth. If it... If it wasn't that big game with Plymouth, you'd probably it might have felt a little bit different if they, for him not to have been involved. If it was a more kind of mundane game, you might have it might have not felt like such a big thing before kickoff potentially. Um, but it was, and it and it did feel big. But but ultimately, yeah, the right the right call. I'm sure we'll see him at Oxford. Yeah, of course. The running joke is. Um... Next time we get a new bed, boys, we're taking a day off, aren't we? If we're getting a new bed or stuff like that, we're going to do that. Um, that's not funny. I'm sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some of the big moments before Wes Burns' opening goal. Um, because, yeah, Plymouth had a few chances. We had a few chances. And Stu, you know, there's a big chance for Plymouth, of course, in the first half. Yeah, the first half was, I've used the word frenzied in some of my reports. It was, I think, both clubs... Andy said this in, in our post-match video, that almost sort of threw their usual game plans out the window a little bit because of the high stakes of this match. Um, I'm sure Plymouth don't go long that often that they normally do. But they went long with goal kicks. McKenna talked about them being willing to smash it up to, to Hardy and Ennis in their team. Um, and Ipswich just didn't have that usual time on the ball. How often, nine times out of ten, Ipswich at Portman Road are so used to teams being deep, playing with a low block. They have, they have to sort of be patient and probe and work the ball. And all of a sudden, Plymouth were right in their faces. Credit to them. That was a real uh, high-intensity press from them. Uh, no more so from their two central midfielders, uh, Matete and Randall, who I thought um, took some real risks. Uh, they were right up, uh, right up, up, up high and... Matete was kind of almost man-marking Evans, trying to stop him, sort of picking it up off the defence and spraying those those passes. So it was it was very cat and mouse. It was risk versus reward. Plymouth Plymouth uh, took some risks with that man-to-man marking. Ipswich, I think, quite quickly worked out that they had to play over the top of them to try and sort of beat that press. And they were doing that. They were finding Freddie Ladapo's chest. They were finding his feet. He was looking strong, holding the ball up. Um it was it was just a very watchable first half. You had the referee booking Burns, then not 
not booking and giving some fouls the other way. There was some frustration over that sort of consistency, but um, just a really frenetic, frenzied first half that there was nothing between the, those two sides. Um, Davis and Burns both had to make big blocks at one end. Ladapo really should have squared the ball to Burns at the other. Um, but yeah, as as Andy just said, it, you know, prop, we hoped this would be a proper football match, a proper occasion. And uh, even though it was nil-nil at half time, you, you knew that this was this was a a real game on our hands. Definitely, and 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 Andy, there's a few times where Walton, you know, because they do it at such a high press, weren't they, Plymouth? And Walton, you know, some back pass to him. He, there's a few little oh my god moments, but uh, yeah, you gotta get there in that sort of game. Yeah, yeah, you are. He's Christian Walton's taken a fair amount of heat in the um, in the aftermath of this game. I think um, some of it deserves, some of it not. Um, goalkeeping wise, I thought he was absolutely he was absolutely fine at the weekend. He kept goal goal well. Couldn't do anything about the goal that went in at the end, deflected up up into the the top corner. But um, yes, he could have kicked better. But Ipswich put him in that situation, um, and Plymouth put him in that that situation as well it's it's difficult um you have mixed feelings about watching league one teams play out from the back it it's high high risk high reward um I think he played some nice balls kind of sort of caressed some balls kind of into the middle of the pitch to try and find Ladapo at times which worked really well for town but un, under pressure yeah there were there were some issues it wasn't just him it was Donassian as well had a few a few issues with with back passes that the one in the second half very very nearly we did get charged down and, and didn't go too far wide of the goal but um while I'm sure he'll come away thinking he could have he could have kicked better in that game I think some of the heat he's got as an individual, it's maybe a little bit, a little bit undeserved, if I'm honest. I agree with that. Do you agree with that, Stu? You know, I know it was the battle of the two Plymouth boys. You know, Michael Cooper, really good goalkeeper for Plymouth, and Christian Walton came through there. You've cut me as well, but he got yeah a little bit of flack on the weekend. Um, several times he just put the ball straight through to his opposite number, didn't he? And yeah. um, maybe it's because he's just not used to kicking long. Every week he's playing it short. It was a bit alien to him. And yeah, his ki- his kicking was off. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think it's probably in context of the fact that his but his own lofty standards have, have just maybe slipped in general um, over the over the last little while. But um, yeah, no, no. He was fine from a shot stopping and catching point of view and things like that, but the, the kicking w- was off for Ipswich. And um, you know, in a game where they needed to probably find find the striker and play off of him, um, that was always going to be a big out ball. Um, yeah, that that fell below those standards with his kicking for sure. Indeed. Well, let's talk about the man who is here for the big moments. Um, scored the winner against Portsmouth at Portland Road. Scored the winner against Derby live on TV. And it opened the scoring in this game. Where's Burns? Um, good little finish from him. Um, but yeah, as a, a great moment, great atmosphere, Stu. Good goal from Wes Burns. It was. And before we get to that moment, we had the crossbar rattled at both ends at nil nil at the start of the second half. Um really big chance for Marcus Harness. Uh really clever ball between two defenders from Davis picked out Harness and he was in acres of space, 10 yards of space inside the penalty box. Um, It's not a sitter. Um, I don't know if it's quite in guilt edge chance. I think it probably is for a player that he is in the team for those moments. Um, Marcus Harness, we've talked again about the risk versus reward of him in the team. The risk is that he can turn over the ball sometimes. He He can give it away and get a little bit loose. But the reward is that you put your money on him in those moments to be the sharp shoot, sharp, sharp shooter in the box. Touch, bang, out the feet. And we've seen him do it earlier in the season. But um, it hits the crossbar. And that was a bit, you know, in these games where char- those sort of chances were always going to be at a premium, the first goal it felt was going to be big. That was, that was a big moment for him to uh, to hit the crossbar from, from in the box there. Yeah, you he he needs to hit the target from there and work the goalkeeper. Um, the, the amount of space and time that he had, he obviously is a well, very well struck. Of course, it was very well struck. You see how far it flew off the crossbar, but um, that needed to work the goalkeeper properly um, at the very least, I think. Um, but it's not, 
what happened a minute or a few minutes later is a completely different league to uh, to this chance though. Um, Ryan Hardy won't want to see that again, and he's very fortunate that the Bali Mumba bailed him out at the end because I think he would have um, encountered a very different Stephen Schumacher um, at the end of the game had he not, because um, to miss from there. Um, I'm going to get all nostalgic here. It reminds me. It reminds me of a, a shot that a torpedo Moscow player missed against Ipswich in the in the UEFA Cup twenty years ago. Uh, quite similar. I'll, I'll show you that later, Stu. I, have you ever seen that before? I'll find it for you. It's similar. Um, similar in Moscow. Um, made me think of Marlon Harewood, which is the mm. benchmark for benchmark for terrible Portman Road misses for me forever, I think. Um not as bad as that, this one from Hardy, but to 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 hit the bar from, from six yards out is um with a half a goal to put it in is 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 dreadful from a really good striker as well. So he he'll be feeling fortunate. Having watched it back in his very slight Come defense, on, don't the ball do it. Is, is slightly behind him and he has mm. to kind of just hold just has to slow his run. I think he's got, he's coming attacking the ball a bit quicker than uh, than the ball is coming at him, and he, and for that reason he's kind of put his his foot behind him, and that's made the ball pop up a little bit. But yeah, that was a sitter. There was a collective uh, cry of uh, disbelief around Portman Road, and that was that was a major let off. And then when you have a major let off like that, and then you go and get the breakthrough. Um, not long afterwards, you start to think, "Yeah, is this gonna is this gonna be our day?" It's like my um, it's like the phrase, "My nan could have scored it." My nan Doreen probably would have scored that goal. So um, we've discussed this. We've discussed. We, do if you remember a few weeks, months back, we talked about um, could have played all day and not scored, yeah. and we discussed whether maybe football could introduce that as an actual rule, where a manager once a season gets to play his cliche card, and the two teams yeah. do indeed have to play. Till midnight and see if someone scores. Maybe my nan could have scored that. Is also a, a card that could yeah. have been played. Um, Stephen Schumacher stops the game, puts his hand up, and uh, brings on his nan. Or, or maybe there has to be some sort of designated nan. I, I don't know how it would work, but um, that that just throwing it out there that could that could that could liven up the game. Ipswich have obviously given Ed Sheeran the number seventeen shirt in their mm-hmm. squad, like. Maybe every squad you need to des every squad has a nan in it, mm-hmm. um, a designated nan. And may- maybe you're looking for the youngest nan available. They have to be a nan of of a player or manager. Yeah, manager. there have to be some rules involved here, wouldn't yeah. there? Um, otherwise, people might be pushing it. I mean, if if it is based purely on the manager, uh, Kieran McKenna's youth is is hopefully going to play into his hands. And um, look, I don't. You don't know his nan situation. Well, we do don't it. know the nan situation. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. But um, look, th- there needs to be some more thought put into this. She has her age as the squad number as well. Is she sitting on the bench like in a full kit as well for every game, just waiting for that one moment? Well, she'll need to be warm. You have to be warm because like, it's a big yeah. moment. You'd, they'd have to be warmed up. At all. Maybe they cut under a blanket um, to stay warm. Um they go down the touchline with a little Zimmer frame and get the, the warm applause when the subs go out for their first warm-up in the second now, half. Now, if it's a nan in a, with a Zimmer frame, that's mm. that's a worrying sign. I'd want a nan a, a bit more mobile. A mobile yeah. nan would be the one that I'd look for. Maybe you promote like a... Maybe it's an opportunity for like the best teenager in the squad, like Cameron Humphrey's nan, for mm. example. Logic suggests that Cameron Humphrey's nan might be... Might be a crack. So, okay, so it can be age. any player in the eighteen. So it's 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 encouraging managers to make sure they put young players in their squad because it's I've told you this before. Not thirty year olds get out get out of the squad. You know that's what I mean. Mm. You know that, that's back back a few. You know last season saying yeah thirty year olds. Oh no. So that's where this comes into play. Can we workshop this further, please? Because I've, I've got I've got some questions right. Because obviously Ryan Hardy has just missed an absolute sitter. So Schumacher now gets what Schumacher's got the chance here to right that wrong. Um, does, does the whole thing just get recreated? Niall Ennis has to get away down the yeah. It's like snooker the right. where you, the referee has to kind of re-spot the ball from where where the cross came in, and uh, 
Yeah, and then they recreate the situation, but replacing Ryan Hardy with with said said Nan. And if they if if she scores, they get the goal. I don't know what the jeopardy would be if I think if if she misses, that's it. It just remains it remains the same. And that's the Nan season over at that point. If she's if she's missed, that's, that's yeah. You can only done. play that card once in a season. Imagine can you imagine the roar of the crowd if Nan scored. Knee slide, <laughs> broken hip. <laughs> uh, uh, but imagine if Nan if Nan put the ball in the net, and like, there would be a scenario eventually where Nan would win promotion for somebody or win a cup final. Nan. Be amazing. Imagine an Aguero moment. Oh. <laughs> Nan. <laughs> yeah. Big up, big up, all, big up all the nans out there. If, yeah. If, if you're a nan, listen to this podcast. Hope you have a good day. Um, but yeah, nan trials. They'd have to hold nan trials. This yeah. this nan chat's gone on too long. That was a great Fine. diversion, though. Brian Hardy oh. missed a sitter. It was uh, it was still nil nil, and then Wes Burns went and scored. <laughs> Yeah, I think Wes Burns now is probably pretty good as well. We don't know his situation, but um, enough of that. Anyway, with boys. Well, Andy, great goal. Tried to get us away from the Nan chat, Ross, and you've dragged us back to it immediately. Wes Burns did a goal to put it switch ahead. Yeah, and, and no, yeah, no Nan was required here because it was no. a thumping shot from Wes Burns that just beat an an incredibly good goalkeeper for power into into the top corner. Just beat him for power. Um, thumping, and Wes thunderous lashed. On the angle, but the best part of that goal was the touch from Luke Wolfenden. Mm. That's a deft. That's a deft. It was, touch. it was, and he knew it as well because the rest of the rest of the team all ran off with Wes Burns to the that that North Stand Cobble Stand <laughs> corner. Luke Wolfenden went the other way, and uh, very pleased with his work, and so he should be. I think he played well in general, but that touch was was really beautiful, cushioned. He ran all the way round the other way, round the back of the goal, and 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 lapped up a little bit himself. Like that, that must have been an incredible experience for those players to to hear that roar as that ball went in. Um, I'd love to experience that. I think that's the thing that I'm most envious of of, of these football players getting to just be at the centre, the target of that of that noise and that outpouring of. Um, of relief, joy, whatever emotion it is, um, yeah, it's uh, it's great. Then I love the, the footage the club got of, of the celebration, kind of Wes Burns one by one going through his little rituals that he has with all of his mates, like ending no twerking this time. He hasn't done that for a while, but just end ended after all the the, the hype and all of the like the outpouring of emotions it just ends with and like really calm that little nice little handshake that him and Janoy do just to the gentleman two little gen- gentlemen shaking hands at the mm. end of a really big moment that was that was really nice yeah, the, Connor Chaplin reminding him to do the ear cup to start with and then uh, you're right and then eventually it all dies down just and Janoy just wait Janoy's waiting he's waiting he's, he knows he doesn't need to rush there's no need to rush that handshake let everyone else do the, yeah all of that and then little handshake to finish. Love it. It's just a shame it didn't prove to be the winner, isn't it? Yeah, I was about to say that. In the end, did not matter because uh, Plymouth equalised? Um, do you want to cover it? Did, it did, it did matter. It does matter. It did, it did yeah. It's, it got uh, a point still and it was good, did, great, yeah. It, it needed to be scored. Um, it, did. it did matter. Yeah, but yeah, yeah before we get to the, the Plymouth equaliser, there's like, a fair amount happened, didn't it? I, I, yeah. Kieran McKenna's talking. They led Ipswich led for half an hour. Kieran McKenna's talking about Plymouth not necessarily kind of battering the door down, which I would agree with. But they did, they did grow into it, and and kind of, Ipswich things broke down a bit for Ipswich, didn't it? Wes Burns went off with a knock, which doesn't sound like it's anything to worry about at all. But it all meant a bit of a reshuffle, and ultimately the game ended with. With George Hurst up top, we should probably talk about him in a, in a moment. But George George Hurst up top with a, a three of Sam Morsey on the left, Connor Chaplin and Kane Vincent Young as like the attacking three behind um, behind George Hurst, which which isn't really isn't really what we were expecting, and I doubt we'll ever see that again from Ipswich. No, all that talk we had about what's the bench going to be and the attacking options, um, no one would have predicted that to be the finishing attack um 
there's been a lot of chat about substitutions and I don't know how I feel about it because it's always easy to be smart with hindsight. Um, Ladapo, Ladapo and Harness are the first two to come off on 67, not long after the goal. On comes Hurst and on comes Humphreys. And interestingly, it's Humphreys who goes and sits in that deeper role alongside Lee Evans. And Morsi goes to play as that inside left forward. Um, I thought Ladapo had a really good game. I want to take the chance to give him a shout out. Yes, he had a couple of sort of um, greedy moments in, in the final third. Maybe could have shown a bit more awareness, but he looked like someone who had a bit between his teeth. I thought he was strong. I thought he I thought he gave their centre halves a real hand was a real handful for them, held it up, um, really emptied himself into into mm. that game and in the end probably just just you know it was important to sort of freshen that up, especially when you got Hurst on the bench. I would, I would I well I completely agree with what you said about Ladapo, particularly in the first half. I thought he was the best Ipswich player mm. in the first half, but had a really interesting had a really interesting reaction, as there always is, to to some player ratings after this game. And his his was the one that got the most attention out of all of that. Um, like a lot of people like would describe him as horrendous, awful. Um, I, I didn't think that at all. I think he he obviously um, had that big moment in the first half that we've discussed, where he absolutely should have had his head up and thread thread burns away but his kind of persistence ultimately he had a shot block behind that won the corner that led to burns goal um and he worked really hard up front i think i think he he gets an unnecessary amount of critique i think um and we discussed him at length recently but i thought he had i thought he had a good game and um i enjoyed watching hurst when he came on as well um it didn't always bounce his way the ball he he looked like he was making his debut like as players can do sometimes a lot of effort, a lot of running. But what I liked most about him is um, while it didn't necessarily happen for him in terms of the ball bouncing the right way for him, he he just looks like he's going to fit what McKenna wants. You, you just look at him and it, the way he moves. I think I think McKenna likes. They clearly like him. They know they know this player inside out. They've wanted him for a year, mm. uh, and they've 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 got him. Um, Nearly set up a, a goal within sort of moments of coming on didn't yeah. he where he, he ran the sort of left side of the box and, and cut it back from Orsi who didn't really get get hold of the shot and sort of dragged it a little bit and Cooper had to turn it around the post but um yeah very early early days on him you know again we talked about the broadhead first week meeting your new teammates he's not he's not played a huge amount of football in the first half of the season so he's going to be a little bit rusty in terms of match sharpness so for all of those factors considered and where the game was at and the emotion surrounding it that was an encouraging little first glimpse mm. of, of George Hurst I thought yeah they've got two strikers there that I think will dovetail I don't think they're going to be on the set of the pitch at the same time very often at all but I think um I think they've got two players there that um that should provide something for for town during the, the final 20 games here um just need I think what they need I'd like I'd like Ladapo to to be a to be a better impact sub. I think he's a better starter of a game at the moment. I think he's much better when he starts games. I think he feels the, that love a bit more. Um, I think he feeds off the, the pre-match atmosphere and everything. He looks like he starts games really well. Um, I'd love to see him come off the bench and be a real Im impact as well, because he'll have to do that at times too. They're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to dovetail nicely. Hmm. Yeah, I, I thought the dad had a good game. And do you think because he's a striker, he will just get that more, you know, cr you know, criticism and stuff like that? George Hurst is a big boy, isn't he? He's a big boy. We knew he was a big boy, but seeing it up close and personal, he was a big boy. He's big, um, big boy, but he's but he's he's um skinny as well, ath athletic as well. Like he, he he's got a, yeah, he can move, and, and I think he's got a little bit of everything. So, um, yeah, I think they'll be okay. So what what's the logic behind? Sam Morsi playing higher up and Humphreys deeper there. Is that if I'm trying to put my McKenna hat on, I'm thinking we're ahead. It's a hurly burly game. It's frantic. It's frenetic. Cameron Humphreys may only be 19, but we've seen enough evidence that he's got an old head on young shoulders. He's someone who can receive it in tight situations, who can make uh, intelligent, calm decisions when games are getting hot like that. And so, and they obviously felt that 
he trusted him to go and be in that sort of where where they were pressing high on him. He was someone that might be able to kind of alleviate that press. Um, I didn't think Sam Morsey was his usual self in this game. He had a couple of those moments where he played a one-two and sort of surged through the heart of the pitch, but um, a little bit off colour again by his own lofty standards. But you don't, you can't be taking your captain off um, in this sort of scenario. So maybe that was the sort of the compromise option there for me personally. And this is not trying to be smart in hindsight, because I said this during the game. I think I put it into words in, in the live blog and stuff. And I certainly said it to you that I felt like James Wilson was on a booking. I thought Dan Scar was looking like he had an, an awkward time when, when the ball was put in behind him and they were getting one-on-one with him. I'd have liked to have seen Caden Jackson's pace up against someone like that, give something to... We'd, we'd seen that Ipswich's out ball was to, to play over the press and... Maybe sort of uh, Jackson might might have been able to to do something in that sort of inside left role. Yeah, it's at the same time like the other two when Burns went off, the change was to bring Vincent Young on, which is obviously we, we've talked about Caden Caden being a a Wes Burns kind of dovetailer over there as well, and that that was interesting as well. That whichever way you dress it up, as much as Kane is, is good on the ball can play a bit higher that's a it's a more defensive option isn't it um it, it was just quite quite defensive um if they had seen the game out you'd talk about that as being excellent game management the fact they didn't uh means you don't but the Morsi the Morsi one I don't know I, I can kind of square that off in a couple of different ways was it was it to try and protect protect Davis and that left flank a little bit more possibly um I don't think he always gets the most protection down the left, Davis, and, and and he doesn't offer himself the most protection either because he's a, a, a gung-ho flying left back. So may, maybe it was a bit of that. I also thought, I, I, I thought Morsi played quite well, actually. Um, I, I enjoyed watching him in this game, but I think he, he I think he emptied himself. I think he was knackered. Um, so was it more of a, you wanted to freshen up, like you've kind of hinted at, you wanted to freshen up that engine room um, and, probably he would have been the one you'd take off because he was knackered, but you didn't want to do that, take your captain off, which they ultimately did. Eventually he did come off, but but um but you but you wanted to to kind of take him out of the the real heart of this game as well. Uh I don't know. We don't know the logic behind it, but it is it, it was unusual and I'm not sure we'll uh, not yeah, sure see it the, again. the Vincent Young one is obviously enforced, like you say. Burns coming off. We're at the eighty-fourth minute by that stage when when he eventually comes off. Um, yeah, and then you've got a straight choice. Do you bring on Vincent Young, who's more of a fullback to play in that sort of that sort of faux wingback role, or do you bring on Caden Jackson, who's played there before? Um, he went with Vincent Young, and I think as the game reached the ninetieth minute they got naturally deeper. And I think Vincent, at one stage, I think I said to you, they're getting deep here and it was a proper back five, you know, um, both the sort of the, the wide forward guys had dropped in and it become a back five and it had just started to get a little bit nervy, a little bit edgy. And they just started to invite some pressure, um, which was a shame because you alluded to it there. McKenna said, it's not like, Plymouth were banging the door down. There wasn't a barrage of shots and crosses. And I thought they they managed the game pretty well after going 1-0 up. And it's just when that match hit, then you know, the nine minutes of stoppage time went up. They just started to get a little bit deep and, and nervy and edgy. And the crowd, you know, you'd sense it. The ooh goes up when the nine minutes comes on and, and just invited, invited that pressure on the edge of their box a little bit. And obviously there's some misfortune with the with the deflection um to take the ball into the top corner it's shades of Fleetwood again with with Burgess being the man that the ball deflects off of and loops in into the top corner um but could Ipswich have done more to have prevent that that situation could they have been a little bit braver not to not to have got so deep I don't know and we never will um we never will sadly but if, if you are talking about inviting danger, the goal is a good a good example of that, isn't it? The, just how close to the edge of the the Plymouth box, it, uh, the Ipswich box, Plymouth were able to get and work and work the ball. A good ball from Azaz, um, Mumba inside Humphreys maybe sitting off a little bit, um, 
and he's got quite a lot of space to get the shot out. I don't think you can put any necessarily put any blame on you can't put blame on Burgess for it. He did he did all he could. Could he have done more if he was a yard higher up the pitch? Maybe. Um but yeah, it's uh, it's ended the way it has. It's yeah, McKenna talked about they'll look at the fine details of it. Could they get down the the line of the shot in a in a in a more effective way that stops it? Could loads of little things that they'll pick through, but sometimes it's easy because you know what if Cameron Humphreys then just sort of clatters into him in the edge of the box and then they get a free kick and then someone sticks the free kick in and you go oh that's terrible ill discipline so you can always pick it apart afterwards and be smart it's I thought it was a good pass I thought it was a good run and I thought it was you know obviously did good finish aided by by a deflection as well but um in isolation if Ipswich were going along quite nicely you could swallow all of this um, much easier, but it's the fact it's against the backdrop of last-minute goals and points dropped that I think is giving everyone um, just as uh, the, the jitters are just starting to bub- bubble up again. The Rotherham game kind of put a lid on those after a, some frustrating Christmas results, but this is Ipswich Town. This is a decade of false dawns and frustrations, and and as I've tried to tell so many people at the club that are maybe a bit more new to Ipswich Town. That there is, um, there's years of of some frustrations and disappointments, always just simmering un, under the surface, and and understandably so. Yeah, it had to be him, didn't it? Bully Mumba, who yeah. um, went down a good game. Of course, you know, there's a few little little chants from town fans to him about you know being an orange, you know, loney. Um, but it had to be him scoring the goal, and um, that atmosphere just went flat, didn't it? And I just couldn't believe there's twenty nine thousand people. Of course, a lot of people were leaving at that stage, um, but yeah, it had to be him. Um, boys, let's sort of round off this chat of the Plymouth game then. A draw, the right result? What do you reckon, Andy? Yeah. I, yeah, probably. Um, but a draw never feels like the right result when you're when you're leading a game into stoppage time. It, it, it can't feel like that. And, and, and that's why both sets of fans, not uh, also factoring in kind of their respective positions in the table as well, but Ipswich fans would have gone home feeling like they'd lost Plymouth fans went home feeling like they'd won um but I think on balance yeah it was a sort of a hammer and tong um league one football match between two of the the best teams in the league um that you couldn't really couldn't really split them they weren't neither team were at their best but I think the, the 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 occasion and the day dictated that that was probably never going to be the case I think Maybe um, you know, expecting these teams to to be at their peak levels, both of them at the same time going against each other, is is maybe an unrealistic expectation. This was this was what it should have been, um, and yeah, I'd say on balance, yeah, draws a draw was um, a draw was probably right. But there's one team that will be happier with that than the other. Yes, do town fans after speaking with me after the game, just gutting was the word. Just couldn't believe it. Another game we're going to see it later on. Another, you know, three points dropped. Um, but overall, you know, draw the right result. Yeah, it was over over the course of the ninety nine minutes or whatever we got in the end. I, I don't think you could argue that a draw was was the correct reflection of of that. Kenner said, yeah, we can't have too many complaints with that. Um, but yeah, you can't you can't be there's no solace in that, is there, when you've when you've come so close and it's uh, it's in another example of that. And you look at it, I said after the Rotherham game, I thought that might be a little bit of a uh, sort of I was not sweeping the Portsmouth and Lincoln results and performances uh, under the rug, but I kind of thought a lot of illness in the camp. Caveat to that, Oxford was the real Ipswich town on Boxing Day before that illness really, really came in. And, you know, if this was Ipswich's blip, then they were laughing. Um, But now this sort of puts a different complexion on it. I looked at it, last 10 games, Ipswich are ninth in the form table. One three drawn six lost one, and that that start of that ten game run is Charlton, and you start to wonder if the events of that day in stoppage time 
how big a sort of psychological blow that afternoon was for Ipswich Town to have been 4-2 up in stoppage time. Um, and whether that's now become a bit of a thing um, for Ipswich, whether it is starting to to become a bit of a mental block going in going into late in, in games. It's, it's 15 points dropped from winning positions, which... Um, which is starting to mount up a little bit now. And um, we'll, we'll come on to kind of what's required over these last 20 games. But it's looking nip and tuck now for top two. And you're just starting to worry that some of these uh, missed opportunities and points left out there, might they might just look back on the final day and, and rue one one or two, many of those. Whether it, Whether it's becoming a mental block for the players or not, what you can't argue is that it's a you can feel it in the st- in the stadium, can't you? Mm. There's no kind of, I don't think any team is ever really comfortable um, taking a one goal lead into stoppage time. I don't think any stadium in the world is going to ever feel kind of like free and easy. This is fine, um, but when you do have a bit of a history of it in in recent times, and, and a ball goes into the box in stoppage time, there's naturally in the stadium you can feel it an edge. And every time it happens, that edge gets more and more. And it is, it's a bit of a vicious cycle, really, because you, you can't not feel like that, um, even with the best will in the world. So, um, I don't know. It's um, Each and every one you can has its, has its own individual circumstance, doesn't it? Every game is different. Every half is different. But they are adding up. And... Um, <laughs> We started off talking about it was one of those days. You, you, it, it's one of a lot of days. The points drop thing does require a little bit of context in that if you're a team that takes the lead a lot, the teams that are at the top of a table are going to be open to dropping more points from winning positions because they're going to be in winning positions more often than most. I think Ipswich yeah. have scored the game's first goal 20 times in their, what are they at now, 20 Six games into the season, yeah. and they've scored, and they've they've broken the they've broken the deadlock in twenty of those, which is more than anybody. So that does leave you open to to dropping more points when when you get ahead. Plymouth, for context, have dropped eleven points from winning positions this season, which is only four less than Ipswich. Um, so it's maybe not as as bad as it first sounds when you say fifteen points dropped from winning positions. That sounds horrendous out loud um and it only have taken one or two of these situations to have turned the other way and there has been some some misfortune with deflections and things sometimes Ipswich haven't dealt with high balls into the box when you talk about Charlton and other games and they could have done better Fleetwood this one shot from the edge of the box deflection um as McKenna said a, a, a football ultimately for all the work they put into it is, is a game of chaos and uh, misfortune and deflections. I can't remember the exact phrase that he used. A game of uh, a game it's of a low, chance. Yeah, like is it, is it a low-scoring game def- defined by something? Hmm. He, we'll come back to you on that words. one. He's better but, at finding words than us. <laughs> <laughs> but you get you get the point. Um, so. Yeah, this is where Ipswich find themselves out with twenty, 20 games to go now. Um, is it a three-way race for the for the top two? There's there's one or two sort of on the rails that might have something to say about it, but it's increasingly looking. I think now we know it's gonna it's gonna probably go down down to the wire. It's certainly how it's looking to me. It should do. Uh, we, you can you can talk about all the the fine margin moments and and the hope the hope's got to be that. During these final twenty games, Ipswich can find a way to be on the right end of those fine margins a little bit, a little bit more often. Because if they can, they're in all of these games. Like if you, even if you just look at the rest of the top six, um, it's taken three. Town have conceded three three times against Plymouth. Mumbers on Saturday was the the closest range of all of those from the edge of the box. Um, they've taken the lead twice against them in, in two really even matches. Sheffield Wednesday, they only drew at Hillsborough because Michael Smith's offside goal was allowed to stand. They beat Derby at Portman Road. They should have beaten Bolton on the opening day. Sam Morsey had a really like guilt-edged chance to, to win that on the opening day, and they would have beaten Barnsley. 
were it not for Marcus Harness having a goal wrongly wrongly ruled out all of those real fine margins there imagine what the table would look like if that had, if those fine margins had gone town's way more often than mm. not they're finding themselves on the wrong end of the fine margins if they can just tweak that slightly to get on the on the right end of them um things would look so much so much brighter mm. easier said than done but if it, i was being if i was being if i was playing devil's advocate here you'd then say ifs, buts, maybes, coulda, woulda, shoulda. That's quite a long list of, oh, but if that had happened and if that had happened and all of those things you say are absolutely legitimate and I can't argue against that at all. But it comes back to these big occasions for Ipswich Town. The big statement moments are not happening quite enough. Yes, Derby's happened. Yes, they've beaten Peterborough and Portsmouth this season. The, the the shine has been taken off those results a little bit with the way those two have, have dropped away massively. Then you're going back to last season. It's Wickham in McKenna's first game. It was Plymouth on Paul Mariner day. Um, but the record against Ipswich, ever since Ipswich had dropped into League One, their record against the teams that have finished above them has not been good enough. And you could argue that even since McKenna's taken over, yes, it's improved, but has it improved enough for Ipswich to be a a top two finisher where we're talking about higher standards that we're holding Ipswich Town to now. Um, and they're just not quite coming out the right side of these, uh, these big games enough times at the moment. Yeah. If you get, if you get to the, if you get to the end of the season and you're still, you're still trotting out a woulda, coulda, shoulda, that's completely valid at the end of the season, but there's still 20 games left to get on the right side of that. Now um, there's time to, to, uh, uh, you can't look back, of course you can't, but they, but what you can do is look forward. Um, and and in, in all of those fine margins games, you can make a real argument as to why Ipswich should have achieved what they wanted to achieve. And I'd argue that they are capable of doing that. Um, and so with 20 games left, that's why, for, for me, I'm able to feel quite positive about that because I, I trust Kieran McKenna. I think they've him and his players have earned the trust. They've shown us how they can improve within a year. They were 11th on this date a year ago, obviously under Paul Cook for the majority of the time before this, they were 11th a year ago. They're 20 points better off and a, a lot of positions in the table better off now. They've shown improvement over that year. And I I, I trust McKenna and the players to, to show an improvement in these final 20 games, particularly when you factor in George Hurst coming into the team properly, the Broadhead coming into, into the team properly. I, I, I would back them to find a way to mean that in these 20 games, you can get rid of the woulda, coulda, shoulda arguments from the previous ones. Because all it needs is for them to improve from draws to wins. We're not talking about coming from being well beaten in these games to to having to suddenly dominate teams and beat them. Um, they need to find an edge, a fine margins edge. And I, I, I trust them to do it. I, I really do. Um, and there's a long way left to go. I'm staying positive, boys, because I don't want the playoffs. No one wants the playoffs with our history and that you know playoffs. We don't want it, do we? So uh, keep the faith, everybody. Um, it is a blue Monday, but as Andy said there and Stu said, a lot of other positive stuff to talk about. Um, let's talk about special mention to uh, Marcus Stewart. Great to see him back at Porn Road. Great to see him at halftime. You know, town fans chanting his name throughout. Um, Andy, you know, player that I know you, you loved watching when you were um, a yeah. young lad. Um, but yeah, great to yeah. see back. Yeah, it it was. Um, yeah, obviously some some other circumstances around around Marcus at the moment with it with his illness, but he appears to be battling that battling that fighting that head on. Really positive guy, and just great to hear from him at halftime. That I've never known. I'll be honest. A lot of the halftime interviews that you get at Portman Road, they're filling a bit of time, aren't they? They're they're like, and here he is, everybody, and and most people have gone in to get a um a drink or or a chatting amongst themselves looking at the other scores but portman road was silent for this it fell to listen to what he had to say to simon milton and um everybody largely seemed to stay in their seats and listen so um a lot of people um ready to show a lot of love to marcus and um i know i'm i'm sure that he and his family um felt that felt that massively definitely man definitely um 
Let's um, are we are we all done now, Plymouth? We've we've spoken that throughout. Are we happy, Stu? Any other business from well, the game? Well, I mean, it's more looking ahead now. I've started to started to have a look at kind of the last twenty now and, and what may be required. This is the stage of the season now where I turn to a website called Sports Club Stats, which is uh, kind of one of those supercomputer type websites that feeds in all of the results and possibilities and probabilities and gives you an idea of you know what what may be required um during the run-in and I guess now we are kind of coming into the run-in 20 games feels like a nice whole number and we're over the halfway point um and what may be required for Ipswich Town to finish in the top three um I guess at the moment some of the the worry is tinged by the fact that Sheffield Wednesday are in such a good run of form five straight wins in the league you have to ask whether they're just having their purple patch and and I'm sure there'll be some humps in the road for them. We I think as football fans, we just assume that that the other teams that, that we're up against are just going to be brilliant and they'll keep on doing it and, and they don't drop points in any scenario where I've outlined Plymouth have dropped points. Sheffield Wednesday have had frustrating results. It's not going to be all plain sailing for those two along the way. Um, if we go worst case scenario, and I go back to I was looking at what the highest points total has been required to finish second. You're going back to when Wigan and Blackburn were the sort of standout top two in 2017, 2018, and uh, 96 was what was required to finish in second. I mean that that's high. That's a high total. But let's let's put that as the kind of worst case scenario yardstick. Ipswich need 45 more points from their last 20 games. And I think they took 41 from their first 20 games of this season. So that's not a million miles away. Uh, you know, that's a couple of results, just a couple of draws turning the other way, which could easily happen. Um, I still, I still, I'm with Andy. I'm still feeling quite confident about this. I think Ipswich have, have been pretty consistent. They just need, what they do need is just a bit of momentum. Just at some stage, just the, the snowball to start to gather a bit of pace and string a few results together and just get that feel-good factor really pumping again. Ideally, going into that Sheffield Wednesday game at Portman Road next month, if they can get something going in these next few games heading into that one, um, that would be ideal. It's going to be fairly high, isn't it? That I, I, You're probably right. It's probably not going to reach that 96 barrier, but it's going to be... 90 plus 93 94 it's going to be it's going to be something high i think this year required so they are going to they are going to have to sort of do what you've laid out there Stu. it's not um this isn't going to be an 88 90 point job for for second place i wouldn't I yeah wouldn't for, 45 more points is to to lay that out is 14 wins three draws and three defeats so they've only lost three games is it three games that so yeah, far three and 26 um, so yeah, the, the defeats part of it, you wouldn't be too worried about. It's just only three draws there. It's chain, chain, turning a few of these draws into yep. into more wins. That's um, that's what we're talking about, isn't that's it? A sim it's a simple mission. Well, simple in words, mission, isn't it? Turn a few draws into wins, um, fine margins. And that and I think that's what will decide where where Ipswich finish the season. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday v Plymouth, the, week, the weekend before Ipswich hosts Sheffield Wednesday. So that's... Uh, that's a massive uh, eight days for Sheffield Wednesday coming up in, in February. Uh, I'm just already starting to look at the Ipswich fixtures, seeing what is that a little spell there where oh, they look okay on paper. That could be three, four, five wins in a row. And then and then I look at March, April, and I see Ipswich have got Bolton away, Barnsley away, Derby away, all in the space of uh, you know a few weeks. And you think crunch. Well, that's, that's crunch time there. Um I get it. I get that people are feeling a bit nervous. We've waited a long time for Ipswich to be in a in a hunt like this, um, but we've also got to be excited as well. We got to be excited. You know, we've got the Hurston Broadhead factor, as you say. McKenna has shown that he can improve squads window to window. Um, you know, if he can take them to another level, and we're not talking about you know, two, three, four levels of improvement. We're just talking about just just going that one step further, and maybe they, they've got some players in that that are going to enable them to do that. And do you think you know that some luck will come Townsway as well? Because 
I feel like this season we hadn't had that luck yet, like coming off someone's arse or getting a right decision. Of course, we had a few penalties, but not that much. Do you think that's hopefully going to come? I know some town fans were mentioning that. Like, surely Townsley get some luck this season now because, yeah, we haven't had it yet. There's other clubs who are getting deflections. You know, Plymouth, you know, three of their goals have been great goals against us, but there have been deflections. But, yeah, is, is Towns luck going to come their way at some stage? Because I think every team has it. Who knows, Ross? Yeah. That's yeah. the thing with luck. You never know. It could get worse. Who knows? It's yeah. no one's in control of that. But it, it, Kieran McKenna will tell you that all they can do is control what they can con- control, and they'll be working tirelessly to close those fine fine margins. If you do the right things, you can put yourself in better positions, which ultimately might might lead to uh, more luck. But but it's not really luck by that point because you've put yourself in the right place. So um, we'll do what we can do. We'll control what we can control, Ross. And then hopefully uh, everything else looks looks after itself from there. Indeed. Enjoy the ride, boys. Enjoy the ride, town fans. And um, let's segue into Cameron Humphreys signing a new long-term deal at the club. Uh, Stu, dropped on Friday night. Cameron Humphreys is, is here to stay for another three and a half years. Yeah, he'd only penned a new three-year contract I think back back in the summer so this is reward for for what he's done this season wouldn't have expected to have played as as much as he had but he had that little window of opportunity with Lee Evans injured and Dominic Ball and Kamara long-term injuries as well and um, taking his chance hasn't he he's still still young still raw some things that will obviously improve over time but we can see he's got the um the base qualities, both in terms of technical ability, mental ability to go a long way in this game. So rich reward for him to sign a new contract. Um, Nice to see Ipswich being proactive on the contract front. For years, we talked about Ipswich sort of sleeping at the weird and letting situations get get too late in the day, but they're in a position where they've got a bit of financial muscle that they can be proactive and, and sort those things out like they did with Wolfenden, like they did with Burns last summer so um yeah for all the for all the short-term chat we're having about this season it's easy to forget that you know the long-term picture is uh the medium and long-term picture is is also looking uh looking very good for this club you pleased with that andy number number three and a half years of coming up for uh yeah i am pleased i am pleased with that he'll uh he'll be at uh, hopefully the hope's got to be that you can he can keep growing keep improving and um he can move through some levels of this game with Ipswich rather than sort of waiting for him to to go elsewhere elsewhere to do it. Um, but yeah, that's um, undoubtedly good news. I like the video, by the way, because he's been at the club for so long, and you know, video of him, you know, you know, Ipswich Town kits from very young, um, and just it's a little bit emotional. I think it gave a lot of people goosebumps because yeah, you always like a one of your own boyhood fan and everything like that. Um, but yeah, it's great. It's great to to see him sign a new contract. Um, right then, boys. Sorry, in the in in the vein of kind of people that have been have have had long associations with Ipswich. Um, it really is. I don't know why this fascinated me at the weekend, but Richard during the the halftime bit where Marcus Stewart was talking, Richard Keogh was kind of stopped his warm up and just stood and watched it. And that like not only did did Richard Keogh was he kind of a ball boy at Ipswich during that era kind of when maybe a little bit after when Marcus was here playing, but they played together. Marcus Stewart is 50 and Richard Keogh is a, is a current Ipswich town first team player. They played together at Bristol city. And I don't know why that just, I just found that absolutely fascinating that they, I don't know what, I don't know why it's not even that they're not even that much different in terms of age. They're only 14 years different in terms of age, but um, that just, just interested me and I thought I'd just brain fart that out onto the podcast for everybody there you go enjoy use it as you wish I like that um so actually it segues nicely into our final little thing because man who's also 36 years old um and of course got connection with the town Cole Skews scored his first goal in was that a, a thousand 1946 days um of course he was he's not a goal scorer Cole Skews but he scored the winning goal for Coltress on the weekend and Stu, you know, two goals at town in his whole town career in 200-plus games. And, uh, yeah, he, he doesn't score much. But, uh, yeah, another goal for him. He's, he seems to have been very popular at Colchester, just judging by social media and 
um, looking from from the outside in. Not all of them have, uh, not all of the exits which players I think have have set the world alight there so far. But Cole Scoos is getting that sort of same sort of warmth and love that, uh, that you know, not over the top, but just just appreciated. And um, Andy texts me on Saturday night to say he'd scored, and I just immediately assumed it would be. Um, the Cardiff goal again. I, I just assume that you wait, you wait all that time, and then he and then he does that. I watched it back. Yeah. The goalkeeper's had a bit of a mare there. It's sort of yeah, it's, it swerves a little bit in the air, but it's um, it's a goal, it's a goalkeeper error, isn't it? But um, yeah, good, good for you, Cole. Yeah, it's good. And I know some town fans are. Oh, we're talking about former players, but. Cole Scoos never scores goals, and when he does score, it's it's you've got, you've got to mention Anya. Um, but yeah. There we go. Um, I think that's it then, boys. It's been a one hell of a podcast. But as always, any other business? Andy, anything else you want to mention, my friend? I'd like to hear more about how you can sort out your Google ads and all of that kind of stuff. With gin- what, like, what does that mean? Uh, well, go on Ginger Pickle. Um, yeah, if you want to help with your Google ads, uh, get on top of Google, sell them more products, or with your website remarketing, contact Ginger Pickle. Uh, go on their website and uh, they'll help you out. So. Yeah, that's all. That's all I know. Anyway, I'm not very good with that. Nobody sort of stuff. Mo- nobody know- knows what it means, but it's provocative. Yes, Stu, it's have you got, got people going? Uh, no other business. No, we'll talk about Oxford later in the week, won't we? But that's um, after three draws. Are we getting towards must-win territory? But crikey, if they go four games without a, a win, um, that wouldn't be great, would it? So it's just. Um, yeah, put, put every one of these these games is just putting a little bit a bit more pressure on on the next one. But um, really looking forward to it. I think um, I don't think we should fall into the trap of thinking yeah they'll beat Oxford automatically because we've beaten three 0 at Portman Road on Boxing Day. They got some good players in that team. They're not to be underestimated. Certainly away from home. So um, yeah, like all of the games now, I'm just looking forward to each each and every game. It's just great that there's something riding on every Ipswich match on on uh, at the moment because that, that wasn't the case for so long with this football club and I think we need to remind ourselves of that and try try to enjoy this the best we can. Indeed. Um, of course, we're sponsored by Manscaped. Use the code CALWAY to get 20% off and free delivery. But one more thing we're going to mention, actually, Andy, as always, a very uh, as a fan favourite on this podcast, the shirt behind you. Uh, is final? Is it final? Yeah, and that's the end of that. Um, no, let's so let's talk about it for for the viewers. If you're of course listening on audio, you can't see it, but tell us that's the number. I like it. It's nice. It's just it's very clean and simple, but it's I think it does the job. Uh, yep, yeah, it's a fine old shirt from 2004. I will not be wearing it because it's made on by. Earth Kappa. Have you ID'd that, Ross? Good work. We've had an hour. That's not the sponsor. It's because we've had an hour of me looking at it while you guys talk. I'm like trying to think. What's that logo? Well, it looks fine old. Fine old. So, yeah. You're right, very, very, uh, yeah, very clean and very clean and simple. There's a funny story behind this shirt as well. If, if... I'll be the Go judge of that. It's, it's almost as good as your story about Massimo the other day, Ross. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not actually that funny. Ordered it from a bloke in, in Hungary off of eBay. Thought it got lost in the post. Ordered it in October. Thought it got lost in the post. Uh, got a refund on it because it was lost in the post and it turned up three days ago. So it was free. How funny was that, everyone? I wonder who got the power pack. That was Andy's funny stories. (laughs) Brought to you in association with Ginger Pickle. And Manscaped. Use 20% off. No, no, just Ginger Pickle, because Google and all that, because that's how you've got the shows, you know, Googled it and stuff, and Google Ads. No other business. No business. Okay. Um, also, I want to shout out, um, of course, listen to Track the Girls talk later on in the um, in the week. Uh, of course, the boys will be back for the main pod on Thursday to look ahead to Oxford. Um, hope you've enjoyed me trying to host this podcast. Um, I'm sure normal service will resume with good old Keithy later in the week. But thanks again for watching Kings of Anglia. Bye-bye for now.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.